0: Welcome to The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. My name is Jeff Young, The Catholic Foodie, and you are listening to Episode 9. And I'm so glad you're here. Uh, What do we have on the menu today? Well, let's see. We are serving up quite a bit today. Uh, Char and I are going to recap our experience at the Lebanese convention uh, two weeks ago. And uh, th- that was an incredible experience. It was just so good to be there. It was like we're on vacation. We were staying in a hotel in Baton Rouge, and it was just so much fun. So we're going to talk about that this episode. And I, I have to tell you that uh, that was Super Bowl Sunday was when we returned home late that night, Super Bowl Sunday. So Monday morning was particularly difficult. You know, when you come off of a fantastic weekend and have to go to work early the next morning, it's- that's pretty rough. So we're going to also have some feedback, and we're going to talk about a little bit of the, the culture of Lebanon and also some of the culinary culture of Lebanon. I'm uh, going to share our experience with the Maronite liturgy that we uh, celebrated on Sunday morning of the convention, and I'm also going to share with you my falafel fiasco, which took place just the other day. I think I'm also going to serve up a bit of information on Kibi Nye, and uh, we have all this and more on the menu today at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith.
1: Wow, something smells good. Those uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goodie lady? My goodness, she makes some good... Goody. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate dicing between Very, It's good. Uh, it's very good.
0: Well, we are going to start off with a bit of feedback. This was an email that we received. We received an email about a month ago, uh, from Michael Thomas, from Mike Thomas, And uh, I did respond at that time, and I wanted to save uh, sharing his email with you um, until we had a chance to go to the Lebanese convention. I thought it would would fit together well. Uh, But Mike writes, he says, I'm a very new listener, but I love your podcast. I really enjoyed the last one where you and your wife discussed a little about the Lebanese heritage. I thought I'd drop a line to see if perhaps you could point me in the right direction. My great-grandfather immigrated with my grandfather from Lebanon, just south of Tripoli, when my grandfather was still a baby. I of course was born in the United States and have been and have not been to Lebanon. My question is about Lebanese food. I know a lot of traditional foods but would love to learn more about the foods and traditions that go with them. I'm currently in the US Coast Guard, so I'm constantly moving around and that makes it difficult for me to join associations for any length of time. Unfortunately when my grandfather or great-grandfather rather uh, moved here he wanted his family to be American. We didn't grow up speaking the language which disturbs me greatly nor eating many of the foods with an ex- a few exceptions like kibby and hummus and grape leaves etc. By the way Jeff I do make cabbage rolls for my family and I love them as well. I dearly want my children to learn about Lebanese food traditions, such as special meals made for special events, traditional meals around holidays, etc. Just wondering if you or your lovely wife had any advice. Thank you for any assistance you can render, and thank you once again uh, for the podcast. And that's signed Mike. Well, I did respond to Mike via email, and... Uh, as I mentioned, I recommended a few things like some uh, couple of books. I think I've talked about before. Uh, Claudia Roden, she wrote two books that I know of that deal with uh, Lebanon or Lebanese Middle Eastern cuisine. One of them is Arabesque, and the other one is let's see, the new uh, the new book of Middle Eastern food. So those two uh, cookbooks are wonderful because it gives a lot of the story behind the foods and even the variations between you know, how, how a certain dish is prepared in Lebanon and how it's prepared in Egypt or in Syria or whatever. So my wife also uh, responded to, uh, to Mike and offered her suggestions. And uh, I think we're going to share her suggestions, though, within the context of the convention we just attended two weeks ago. Yeah. So what do you want to say, Char?
2: <laughs> well, I think the interesting part about his letter or his email was that I could really relate, um, just from my own experience and my own family. Um, just the fact that, well, first he ended up with a Lebanese last name. Thomas is a Lebanese last name. Um, I guess most people know of Danny Thomas, Mm -hmm. the actor who Mm -hmm. um, also started St. Jude's, um, Children's Hospital. Um, Anyway, but we ended up with a, an Irish last name, <laughs> Nolan. Yeah. So that's just what um, I guess they were handing out that day, you know? but <laughs> and that um, was your grandparents That's my grandparents. Your grandparents, yes. yeah. So my, um, they came over from Beirut when they were children. Uh, my grandmother was an infant, and my uh, grandfather was in his... He was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was his... Maybe his uh brother, who got ended up with the name so but i'm I'm kind of yeah vague on those details, <laughs> but um anyway, but you know they married and they settled in Baton Rouge and in the garden district, and they were devout Catholics and they had uh, they had nine children, wow, and what they did they had um there were four children, and there was a a space of 10 years uh, that my grandmother miscarried, uh, I guess, many times. And then they had five more children. So, but there's a 10-year gap in the middle. Mm-hmm. So they had nine children, and um, they were very affectionately called Big Mama and Big Daddy, and they lived in the big house. <laughs> so, and we just drove by it the other day. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's no longer in the family, but um, what was so wonderful is when they, the children grew up and were moving out on their own, they all bought houses in the neighborhood. So, um, and the tradition that big mama had was, was cooking a huge meal every Sunday. She cooked, um, I'm sure since no one, since we didn't get to experience it, um, even my mom did not get to experience it. Um, she had big mama died before my parents met um but she would cook a huge lebanese spread mm-hmm. and she'd invite all the she'd have all her children all of their spouses and children all the cousins um, probably neighbors i don't know it sounded like it was just a enormous Lots of yes 30 just, 40 50 people i mean they <laughs> i don't know how many days she would work to prepare this meal but
0: it had to take um, days.
2: if you had nine or 11 just in your own house, then, right. I mean, you can imagine how many people were there. Um, anyway, I, you know, what a gift that was. But um Mike mentioned that his family didn't speak Arabic. Um, my, parent, my father never learned. The children never learned. And I think that was just the mentality of the time. You didn't want to call attention to yourself mm. as being, you wanted to embrace, you know, being an American. And you didn't want to speak. It, unlike today where I think we're just the culture is different the mentality is different um, definitely in the I guess in the in that era you just in the 30s 40s 50s you didn't go yeah. around you know of rattling Arabic, off yeah. your <laughs> Arabic but but we do have the slang words still right. now, I don't know how far they are from the true Arabic but you know we still um, I won't embarrass myself trying to say some because I'm sure they're kind of far from Arabic I would just assume you know that they wouldn't uh, (laughs) that the pronunciations kind of gotten watered down and Americanized but um, anyway the the other real gem that my family um, had was being a part of the Cedars Club of Baton Rouge and um, you know I mean just being a part of the convention a couple weeks ago really showed that but the um, You know, because every time we go to a convention, I come home more and more proud. More
0: appreciative. More appreciative,
2: more understanding of what it meant, what it means. And it's just, I mean, the dedication of these people um, who have always united together and carried on these traditions. It's amazing. I mean, the the work that goes involved, you know, that's involved Involved in putting on a convention like this, where you have a thousand people, or I don't know, um, in the summer maybe you know more than that. More than that. Mm -hmm. That's a it's a big undertaking, but it's um, it's all done. You know, not just for the social aspect of it, but for the the preservation and handed down of the traditions. Um, And we learned a lot just from that those videos. Yeah. There was a hospitality room at the convention, and they had um, you know some, some guys who were really I mean they, they just came over, you know, um, fresh off the boat, right, right. Is <laughs> say? But anyway, I mean it's great because they brought um, they brought with them some promotional, some really new up-to-date promotional, um, like tourism type mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, videos of Lebanon that were just fantastic. I learned a lot.
0: And they announced then that uh, the New York Times this year announced that the number one hot spot, vacation hot spot in the world was Beirut, or is Beirut, for, for 2009. Year, yeah. yeah, it was number one on the list.
2: Yeah, because Beirut is referred to as the Paris of the Middle East. And um, I talked to a girlfriend of mine uh, when we were in Baton Rouge um, who just returned. She and her family spent three weeks. Wow. And... She just said it was so fantastic. That's awesome. Gotta go, gotta go, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um anyway, the um back to the just the the treasures, you know, and, and the memories I have is um these I had this old cookbook that we still refer to. It's from the nineteen seventies and it was all the, the Lebanese women in the um Cedars Club of Baton Rouge who compiled the recipes and they're just like we've talked about before it's they're really like as far as <laughs> they're just kind of like a little of this a little right, of that uh, even yeah. like in a cookbook yeah, in a, cookbook. in an official recipe it's still just you know a spoon of this mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um real vague like throw it all in and of course just taste it and see how you like it type of recipes but um we still have that um which is which is you know it's really neat. Oh, yeah, I'm glad great. they did it,
0: you know. Yeah. Um, and you, you've mentioned the Cedars Club of Baton Rouge. It seems to me, uh, when you, and you see it, I think, also the conventions, it's like there's pockets around, geographical pockets, where there seems to be a uh, a grouping of Lebanese, right? And so they form a club, and they kind of preserve the uh, the, the heritage. I mean, you go to Baton Rouge, and there's, like, several Lebanese restaurants... To, to choose from, like thirteen, I you think. You know, and like you that. go to New Orleans, and there's like two.
2: There's <laughs> a handful, but
0: you know, uh, you go to Houston, and not only do they have a lot of Lebanese in Houston, but they also have a Maronite church. And we learned this weekend that there is no Maronite church in Louisiana. Uh, there is a Maronite community in Baton Rouge. They're 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 in a process right now of uh, raising money. They would like to build a church, uh, but right now it's just they they get together I think once a month and uh someone the a priest comes in who a Maronite priest comes into town and celebrates the Eucharist for them and the Maronite Rite. And uh they have a big hofli or party, uh dancing and food and everything else after the Mass. And they do that once a month and they try to do fundraisers as well to, to raise money. So there's no Maronite church here, even though there's a lot of Lebanese in Baton Rouge. And uh there, you know, some in New Orleans as well, but just it seems like Baton Rouge is like the the spot for there seems to be it. more yeah. yeah i mean
2: there's a group oh. and oh, yeah. Yeah. it wants but anyway
0: and then all these groups come together at the convention you know
1: yeah. when you come to my house and i cook for you okay oh uh, yeah that might be a problem what's problem i the best cook in the family tell you
2: oh i did didn't i twice okay then <laughs> oh. um it's just uh yeah ian is a vegetarian
1: he doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat? No, he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb.
0: Now, you mentioned going to the, uh, the hospitality room. Should we talk about the hospitality room and how nice it was before go we ahead. go on? Go ahead. Okay. Well, in addition to the tourism kind of stuff and the videos that were being played... They also had food, <laughs> so it was it was uh, it was not like a huge spread, but it was nice. I mean, they had the traditional things: hummus and uh, pita and cheeses, uh, some olives. cheeses. Oh, the cheeses were great, and they had olives. And they had, uh, I think, I was able to snag was it a a, a spinach pie? I think what was it? Yeah, I, I, pie. They had like two yeah. left, and I grabbed one and figured I would save the other for somebody else uh lots of baklava and all the other all the pastries pastries and uh they had what uh, turkish coffee or arabic coffee yeah, the turkish coffee. uh there as well and it was very nice it was nice they had king cake too there was yeah. king cake and uh they had also some just lunch meats and, and stuff to make uh sandwiches with and there was something else it was was there baba ganoush there they had the hummus no, it nice. and they had, it was something else that was there. And oh, Labney. Labney. Oh, yeah. Got Laben. Laben. Whatever. Labney. We, Whatever. We all play you say word. it. We all say it differently. But anyway, so that was really, really cool. And but anyway, uh, the
2: kids loved the weekend. I mean, they just... We pulled away from the hotel Sunday leaving. And um, I mean, we're like just off the curb. And they said, we missed the convention. Yeah. Yeah. We want to go back. Oh, yeah. When's the next one? <coughs> um, so it's just really awesome to see, you know, how much they love being there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they just loved it. And they danced I mean, okay, are you gonna put pictures or what? Oh, we'll put pictures up of so Christopher funny.
0: dancing for sure. <laughs> and uh he was somehow.
2: He was Mr. Casanova, you know. He was oh. dancing
0: well he had his was it like a twenty what twenty one, twenty two year old girlfriend. Uh I don't know, I guess that's how old she is. I don't know how she I don't is. Know. She's in college and, and uh he also had these other girls he met, which were like cousins of hers. Is that yes, right? Yes. And they were probably like, I don't know, 11, 12, something like that. And he was out on the dance floor for like hours dancing with these girls. And he's nine, you know.
2: Well, there's one of him and three of them. Yeah, one of him <laughs> and three of them. So it was. Uh,
0: he had a lot of fun. I got some pictures of that. And, I mean, the hotel itself was beautiful, beautiful. This is a hotel that goes uh, pretty far back. Uh, and 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 Baton Rouge history, it was the uh, old Capitol house. It had been a hotel before, and it had fallen into uh, uh, disuse, and it was abandoned for years and years. I mean, most of my life growing up in Baton Rouge, that was that place was abandoned. It was just this big, huge structure right there on the river, with like broken out windows, and you, it's a it's the kind of place you don't want to go around. You know, it's the downtown area, and it's out by the river. You just don't want to go there. But in its heyday. It was this was like the big deal where Huey Huey P. Long, right, former governor Huey P. Long had built from the state capitol uh to Capitol House an underground tunnel, which is pretty amazing seeing how it's right there on the river and Louisiana is kinda like at or below sea level in many places. Uh so he somehow or another had a tunnel built that um that went all the way to the Capitol House. And the, amazingly enough, today, in this new revamped uh uh, renovated Hilton Capitol House uh there is a restaurant now down in the lower levels and it's called the Tunnel the Tunnel restaurant and it's right there at where the tunnel met I guess the restaurant so very very cool uh, a lot of kind of history to it you know and uh Friday night we went to the, the dinner Friday night and the theme was a Cajun theme so some of the things we had for dinner we had um uh there was there was a crawfish etouffee and then there was this jambalaya. fried catfish which I'll have oh. to talk about in a few minutes and then there was the jambalaya and then what else and they had other stuff too but I can't remember corn mock shoe oh yeah corn mock shoe which is very good and uh, let's see well let me talk about the catfish because <laughs> jeff ate like a plate full of catfish i love fried catfish <laughs> and it, i know it's like a, a kind of a southern thing fried catfish thin uh very thin, thin crispy fried Look, I rarely ever get to have fried food, and I rarely, even more rarely, get to have fried catfish. So when I saw that there was fried catfish there, I, I just I started salivating, first of all. And then secondly, I, I immediately went, it was a, kind of like a buffet style where you go and serve yourself, uh, kind of lines, you know, you had to form lines and go down. Well, I got two plates with the catfish. <laughs> I got one, and I had the catfish on it. And uh, some cocktail sauce, and on the other plate I had a jum- little, little bit of jambalaya, and I had to taste everything, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. and the, the crawfish etouffee and and uh, I, th- I think there was a salad, I don't remember now, but I yeah. think there must have been salad. one. Um, anyway, it was bread wonderful. pudding, bread pudding for dessert, yeah. but the fried catfish. catfish. Wow, that was so good. It's something so simple, but I don't know about you guys, but for me i'm terrible at frying anything i i tend to burn the oil or i tend to undercook it or i tend to scorch it you know whatever it is i'm cooking so frying for me is like uh uh you, you don't A want science me, you have not you don't want burn. me to fry for you You're so i mean i can like pan fry something you know but as far as like frying the real way catfish or shrimp or anything forget it i'm I don't want to spend the money on the seafood for me to ruin it. You know what I'm saying? So I rarely do it. So to have it out is just phenomenal. It was great. It was great. I enjoyed it. So, uh, but anyway, Friday night, after the that, we had uh, Cajun music was playing during the, the, the meal. And there was no real, there was no speeches or anything like that. So it moved from the Cajun kind of Acadiana music into uh, the Lebanese music.
2: Two different bands. Well, yeah, two <laughs> different bands. Two, two
0: different bands. But what the, the Lebanese, I guess. How would you translate Hofli Dance,
2: dance, party, dance, party. Dance, yeah. party.
0: So, uh,
2: wait, What else? Oh, uh, um, what else? What's the other name for "hafley"? Because that's a, kind of a newer word that I learned later. Like we used to always call it a sa Sahariya. sahariya, sahariya. And I don't know what the translations yeah. are. But sahariya. we just started call it calling Haufley. it "hafley." Oh,
1: my God.
0: So then on Saturday we really didn't do anything all day. I mean, we went to the hospitality room, <laughs> yeah, but other it. than that, I mean, you know, went to see the, the, the video of the. Uh, the kids I mean, played the, the, bingo the, the and sang karaoke. And, and, yeah, and that was pretty much our. That was really funny. Event for the day. Oh my gosh! And then we had the dinner <laughs> that night. And that night was um, uh, filet mignon and potatoes.
2: And yes. And, and I don't know. And, um, asparagus. Asparagus. And carrots. Carrots, right. A baby carrot. Fresh baby carrots. So, and it was of good. course, you didn't eat those. I no, did
0: But it was good. It was good. I enjoyed that. And then uh, after dinner, they had brought out this sort of like divine, I don't even know what to call it. It was a cake of some sort. And i have to put a picture on the website this was an unbelievable cake i have no idea what was in it other than it had like blueberries on it or in it or on top it was a, it was just uh it was what's the expression to die for i mean it was just incredible this uh yummy this dessert it so like right up my alley, alley. so good so cream i'll have to put it right I had cream cheese um, I had cream cheese in there yeah
2: It was very light, not really sweet, not overly sweet. Right. It was uh, with a little berries. it It's good. Awesome. 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 My style.
0: So that was that was Saturday night. Of course, you know. Once again, you had a Hoffley and I'm gonna uh, play some audio for y'all at some point in the show because we had um, we had a couple of really fun moments that night uh, with with speakers you know, in a, in a song that someone sang. And uh, and then of course, the the Hoffley that night, it went on for... All right
1: now, the last verse is the Southern Federation verse. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. Let's stand. And we sing the Southern Federation verse. And here we go. And when I'm called to leave this world, to the dear Lord I will say, I thank you for my heritage until my dying day. To the Southern Federation and my friends and family, and a very special thank you for you guessed it, good old Kid Bill. One last time, a little slow, slow.
0: Song that you just heard uh, was one of the very funny moments of uh, Saturday night at the 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 banquet at the convention, and uh, it was very funny because it was all about kibby and not just kibby, but a particular type of kibby, kibbinai. And uh, you're probably wondering what in the world that is. So, Char, you want to okay. tell us what nai is? Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> kibbinai is a um, it's a raw meat dish, typically made from lamb, although we've, you know, eaten it with beef. It's along the lines of a steak tartare, So, um, if you've, exp- you know, eaten that, that's what I would compare it to. But it's a Lebanese style. And um, I have to admit, I've never made it myself, but my mom, you know, made it all the time. My dad and, you know, my uncle's. I'll love it. Love it, love it, love it. And, um, in fact, when we were visiting my Uncle Eugene, he had the exact mortar and pestle that my grandmother used, which had been found in the backyard of, uh, maybe Uncle JoJo's or something. Anyway, this thing is the, it's so heavy. It's like solid marble. Right. And it weighed, oh my God, I mean, 60 pounds probably. It's like you couldn't, it took probably two people to move it. But before, um... know, food processors, they would, I guess, Big Mama would beat the, um, you know, get the, the meat and beat it in the, um, with a mortar and pestle until it was ground fine, and then you add onions and, um, olive oil, mint, salt, pepper, and honestly, I don't even know what else they put in it. Um... That may be it. That may be about it. But it's, anyway, we, we the way we do, it, the way my mom does it is um, when she forms it, oh, cayenne pepper, though. Yeah, we put cayenne. Like cayenne, it's yeah. hot. Um, <laughs> when she forms it, she forms it into one big mound, and then I didn't even really think about it until the other day, but you, she takes a, um, the side of her hand and she ma- forms a cross. Mm-hmm. You know, so we always, it was served like that. And then I'm I'm trying, I hope I'm not missing anything.
0: I did look online today also for, because every time I've ever seen it, it's always had a cross on it like that. And I looked online and sure enough, the pictures that I saw of it had a cross on it. And of course, just like your mama does, she'll drizzle the olive oil on top. And so the cross is actually filled with olive oil. Oh yeah, um, I mean like really cool. then
2: when you serve it, like I typically would put like a, a really good olive oil on top of it yeah. too. Yeah. So
0: And so how do you actually like serve it or eat it or
2: just eat it? On, <laughs> just plain old. Just
0: put it on a plate. I just mean put just it stick on a plate. your hand into it. No. Or
2: <laughs> obviously not. But you'd mix it by I mean
0: it's mixed by hand. You
2: typically yeah. would mix it by hand after you've you know, um probably even, I don't, well, I guess if you use the Cuisinart, you don't really have to. Well, you're going to form it by hand, so you're going to get your hands in it. Right, right. Um,
0: but when you're actually eating it, like, you know, serving it, if, if you have people at a party or at a dinner and you, you just We've it, it always just,
2: taken a slice. We've never formed it in any other way, like, individually. Just
0: slice but right I think, from the mound.
2: I, yeah, I would think that some people may. But that's typically it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really find it very often in restaurants. Some restaurants in Baton Rouge serve it. Like I don't know if that's like an on the menu thing or they just serve Probably it because not. we we know them.
0: And it's from what I could uh, from what I could gather, it's the the, the best uh, cut of lamb I guess that they use for this would be uh, the leg leg of lamb, and uh, it's typically it is um, ground. Oh, did I
2: say bulgur wheat? I think I forgot. Oh, you wheat. may have forgot the wheat. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. it is. You get the the bulgur wheat number one typically.
0: Yeah.
2: Like so it's. It's fine. And then you, you soak your wheat, um, you know, in water and then you add so it's that's what it is. So <laughs> I knew I forgot. It's the meat. Boulder
0: wheat. Salt, pepper, cayenne, mint, olive oil. Salt and cayenne. Not, not
2: pepper. Salt and cayenne. She yeah, onions, onions, a good amount of onions, yeah. olive oil, mint, and that's it. Yeah, the yeah. the wheat. That's what mm-hmm. I forgot. So that's why you eat it just plain because yeah. it has wheat in it.
0: Got everything in it. So it's, it's sort of like, I mean, in a way, uh, the way I see it as, I guess, kind of an outsider, it's almost like a delicacy. You know, I mean, it's something that people really appreciate. You never see it in restaurants. I mean, I know, like, sarabs in Baton Rouge, they would serve it because your mom and dad, I mean, they're like friends of the family kind of a thing. When they go over, they would, you know, have that. Um, but typically, I don't, you don't really see it anywhere else. I mean, it's, it's, it's raw, too, so there's obviously some uh, probably, I don't know, what you would you call it, resistance uh, to people who want to come in and eat something raw, unless it's sushi, you know, but raw meat. Right. Although we did time. have that party one time where they had the, the beef, they made a beef kibby. remember, the, the cousins made the beef. I just didn't like the beef. I prefer the lamb. Okay. Definitely prefer the lamb. But um, any, anything else about the kibi? I think no? that's it. pretty much it. Well, should we talk about falafel for just a minute? Okay. Well, before we talk about falafel, one last thing about the kibi. Why is it that the song is so funny? I mean, what, there's something about <laughs> Kibi Naya that makes that song so. Wow, you have all these people in a ballroom at a banquet singing this song, Glory, Glory, Kibi Naya. What makes that so funny? Why is that such a, uh, I don't know. What is it about Kibbe in general that makes it so special?
2: Do you have the answer?
0: Well, I have an idea. What do you think <laughs> it is? You don't have an answer?
2: I don't know. I mean, uh, it's...
0: Well, in my opinion, my you, humble okay. opinion. Okay, I'll
2: see if I agree with you. It
0: it seems that it's... it's uh, There's only a few ways, when you talk about culture, there's only a few ways you can really kind of communicate culture and typically it's like the food and certain customs, traditions, uh, certain kinds of celebrations, uh, like the way that you would welcome someone into your house, maybe something that comes from culture, your music, your dance, um, your, your food of course, all these things are parts of culture and how culture is like lived out, you know, and so you have all these Lebanese people in the United States trying to maintain their heritage, their culture, what are the only ways that they really have to do that? Food? Dance? Some of the language? Some of the words? Um, this sort of sense of com- camaraderie or, or community among themselves? A connection. But a connection? But yeah. what what other way do they really have? And one of the most, I guess you'd say, um, I don't know, unique <laughs> uh, um, Dishes for the Lebanese is this kibbeh, so it kind of it, it kind of identi- identifies. Uh-oh. I mean, you Uh-oh. kind of identify with that, you know. It's like this is who we are. This is this sets us apart in a way. That's kind of, I guess, my observation it's, on it. That's,
2: it's, I'd say that's accurate.
0: Okay, good.
2: Now, before we move on to falafel, uh, just for the record about falafel. It is totally not something my mother has ever cooked in her entire life. And it's not in the treasure chest of Lebanese cookery, which the women of the Cedars Club (laughs) put together in the 1970s. And it's... Is it in here? I don't know. Um, Anyway, it's just not something... It is on the menu of many of the Greek Lebanese restaurants, Mm -hmm. but it's just not something we've personally... Hand down, you know, right. or have a family right. recipe or anything like that, but we like it. And if I mentioned it to my mom, she'd go, "Ew," Ooh. she wouldn't eat it. Yeah. But, but we good. enjoy it. I love it out. It's so good.
0: And in, in Lebanon, you go there, and it's almost like a fast food because they'll make it. It's it's street food. They call it something you'd get like from a vendor on the street or a small shop where they'll wrap it up in pita. With uh, you know lettuce and tomatoes and, and, a, and a, a, a like a tahini sauce, and you've got the falafel in there. And falafel is basically just chickpeas with cilantro, parsley, onions, and then salt, pepper, and cayenne. Uh, a little I don't know if I had olive oil in there or not. Olive oil. Anyway, it's kind of made into almost like a, a paste. Yeah, lemon, yeah. Lemon. yeah. And then the paste is formed into like uh, small pancakes and then fried and they're really green, I mean they're brown on the outside because it's, it's fried when you open them up though, when you, when you bite into them, it's really really green and it's great with a tahini sauce. Anyway, I, I had a recipe I looked at uh, last week and it was so simple it looked so easy to do and it turned out to be a total fiasco and um, I, I don't even know if I should say much about it right now just to conserve time but if you look at the website, if you go to CatholicFoodie.com dot com and look at this post for this this particular episode, I do have a short little blurb in there to tell you about my falafel fiasco. So go falafel flop. Uh, that's, another, that's a good one. Falafel but,
2: flop. I mean, the first day that's because we did. There was a key part of the recipe you forgot, and that was.
0: And and that's on the website.
2: Okay, but so. we all loved it the next day. Yeah. Round two. Take two. Round two was, was better. better. We don't know how to fry. That's that's what it boils down to. We're not fryers, and we don't know how to... um, I don't fry well. We don't fry well, period.
0: So really, from from now on, falafel, we will order it out, and that's it. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'll try it again if you want me. If we try it It enough... It takes so
2: good, and it's a good, healthy, besides the frying part, I guess. If you want
0: to try some more, we can... I'm willing to do it. It's very easy to do now that I've done it once. It's not going to take as long as it did before, but... The hard part is going to be frying it, but I'm willing to try.
2: Yeah, maybe look, just pan fry it. You think that would work or not?
0: It may. That's what I ended up doing the last time. In just a moment, I'm going to share a little bit about uh, the Maronite liturgy that we attended on Sunday. Oh, the
1: Those of you who, first time, hear it the first time, you say, well, what does he mean by this southern verse? Well, it goes like this. we are crazy about our black-eyed peas, ham hocks, and collard greens. It's hard to beat those candied yams and good old butter beans. But sweeter words I've never heard when Cindy said to me, tonight we're having our number one dish, good old
0: Sunday morning, we had the privilege of attending a Maronite uh, rite liturgy, and uh, there, there's just there's so much that could be said about that. I do have some audio I'm going to play, but uh, there, there's a lot of chanting. I mean, the, the, the whole, all the Eastern churches, the thing that really stands out, kind of like a focus point for them is is mystery, right? The sacred is like mystery, God's a mystery, and so there's a lot of mystery that's kind of incorporated into the liturgy. I mean, you had three different languages being spoken in this liturgy. You had English, you had Arabic, uh, or, or Syrian, I don't know the, the, the direct term of it, but Arabic. And then Aramaic was the, the language used for the Eucharistic prayer. So three languages being used, lots and lots of chanting. Uh, by the, the, we had, they had a choir, for lack of a better term, a choir, I don't know what you would really call them in the Maronite rite, but you had a choir, and uh, then the priest... I mean, almost all the prayers were chanted. You know, the readings were read, but the the so much chanting and so much incense, incense all over, you know, all the time, all over the place, and uh, so it was just a really beautiful experience. And we've been to many uh, Maronite liturgies, but it's always a joy to be able to participate in one. And, and it's growing. kind.
2: Of, I mean, to me, that's also. Um, I mean, I guess I, I've grown in my appreciation of that aspect of the weekend too and that you know being part of a a family that's not just it's not just social but there's a spiritual um, connection as well
0: the faith element
2: which really is um, special you know it's awesome
0: yeah so uh, I mean there's just so much the the liturgy itself focuses so much on the mercy of God and really begging God's mercy Um, it's a it's it's I wish I had a copy of like the prayers because the prayers were just incredible to listen to. The ones that I could hear or understand in English, that is. You know, many of them were were in Arabic. Um, and then of course at at the uh at the actual rite of communion, uh they give out uh, the Eucharist by intinction. So the uh there's only one minister of communion and that's the priest, the presider, and he has a ciborium in which a small Chalice fits, and it's held in place very tightly, and so as as you go up to receive communion, he takes a host, dips it into the uh, into the uh, chalice there, and so you're actually receiving the body and the blood at the same time uh, by intention. So uh, it's different than the way we do here in the Western Church and in the, in the the Latin Rite, um, but it's uh, it's really beautiful the reverence in, or, uh, surrounding the eucharist and you have uh two you had two um i guess altar servers with uh patents that they were holding those underneath each person and underneath the chin of each person receiving the eucharist so that's to prevent it to, from falling because there's only and hitting one the minister. ground I mean, he's, yeah he's there's one just ministers. one minister of of the eucharist and we had it was it was a lot of people there i mean yeah. communion took a long time because there were a lot of people but um Anyway, that's, that's, I think, all I have to say about, uh, about the conference. It was really, the convention, it was really fun. Uh, loved it. You come away feeling like, you know, you wish you could be more a part of all this, you know, on a, on a, on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And not just at the big conventions or uh, other things like that, you know. So, anyway... On with the show.
2: O Lord God, we petition you with this incense for all faithful deceased priests, those who we have known, those who we have not, those who are remembered, those who have no one to remember them. They served your holy altar and guarded your people on earth. May those who
0: followed in the footsteps of your apostles to build up your church now be remembered. For the worker deserves his
1: wages, and the guardians of your church deserve a memorial eternally written in the book of your heavenly kingdom now at all times and forever
0: Well, this wraps up episode 9 of the Catholic Foodie I hope you've enjoyed it I'm so glad that you've, uh, you've Shared this time with us And if you would like to leave feedback Or if you have any questions, comments Whatever you may want to share You can email me at CatholicFoodie at gmail.com uh, If you would like to leave Voice feedback you could do so in one of two ways You can record an MP3 file or a WAV file And then email that to me at CatholicFoodie at gmail.com or you can call the listener feedback line at 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, bon appétit.